Hi everyone, this is Waylena, and I'm here to talk about free and open source software for planetarium content production and other immersive environments. Welcome to FOSDOME. I want everyone to know that show notes can be found on my blog, FOSDOME.com. I'll make sure to leave links for any software or tutorials mentioned in the episode. And if you like the episode and want to hear more like this, make sure to subscribe and rate it in your podcast listening software of choice. Today is Sunday, May 2nd, 2021, and this is Episode 8, Some Resources for Astronomy Visualization in Blender. It was going to be some astronomy stuff with Blender, with both visualization and non-visualization stuff, but the visualization stuff ended up longer than I thought it was going to. So the non-visualization stuff, which is stuff I actually use the most, will have to wait until next week. And maybe then I'll continue with the open source uh, astronomy tools since I still haven't talked about open space or worldwide telescope very much. So what have I been up to lately? My planetarium is still closed to the public and for school groups uh, from outside the college, and I'm still mostly working for a different area of the college. I do what I can for the planetarium as time permits. Now we know this will continue at least through summer, and we aren't sure what will happen after that, but we have our fingers crossed for fall, so here's hoping. Now we did have a few showings inside the dome, actually live inside the dome, of Sunset Meditation, the wonderful program from Brown Planetarium. The feedback from students and faculty was even better than I expected. I do miss that time in the dome. Oh, I miss it so much. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, um, my Space Cats print-on-demand store is on hold. I must have screwed something up because Etsy suspended my account. I promise you there wasn't anything amiss content-wise, um, but we'll see how it goes. I'm still set up on Printify, and the example shirts are cool so far, so I may set up shop on my own. It's going to take some time for me to figure that out, but I'll keep making designs in the meantime. Also this week, I watched the latest uh, Blender Guru podcast in which Andrew Price interviews Ian Hubert and the two discuss visual effects in Blender. It was really good. A few segments uh, I went back to a few times. In particular, the discussion on LED volumes versus green screen and, and the future directions for um, effects production got me thinking more about where technology is headed for with planetariums. I mean, we already have the tech out there, uh, but the price is just too high for most facilities to even think about it. You know, what I'm talking about are the uh, completely LED domes, so not projection, but where the dome itself is the, um, the surface that emits the uh, imagery. So for now and the foreseeable future, planetariums will have to stick with projection displays. Of course, projection has gotten a lot better uh, with those laser phosphor projectors. Oh my goodness, I'm so jealous, I want one. Um, <laughs> but at some point, as the tech gets uh, adopted and adapted for more than just uh, high budget entertainment production, it will become more affordable and will be considered more practical. 
So I think back to when full dome video was just coming out those, you know, the late nineties, I could not imagine the change happening as quickly as it did. Uh, of course, that's largely because slide projectors and film became unavailable. So you kind of had to adapt, um, but the existing domes could be used with the digital projection tech. In this case, the new technology replaces the dome surface itself. Although I suppose an installation could go inside of a larger pre-existing dome. You just get a smaller dome. I, I'm, I'm not sure how that works out. It, it could get messy. Sure is a lot to think about though, definitely. Anyway, that interview with Ian Hubert led me to watching some of his tutorials and trying to get my head around motion tracking, which led me to spend a bunch of time uh, messing around with that, time that I should have spent on making notes for this episode of Fostome, so I did not actually get to start on it until yesterday, Saturday, so ordinarily I would record this on Saturday afternoon or evening, but it's not actually getting recorded until Sunday when it's supposed to be released this time. You see, I knew, I knew that I was going to be busy in online planetarium meetings most of the day on Saturday. But was it enough to stop me from being sucked into the world of Ian Hubert sharing his tips and tricks for VFX using Blender? No, of course not. That, I, I digress again. So on to the main topic, but do check out Ian Hubert's tutorials. They're really good. On to the main topic, some resources for uh, astronomy visualization with Blender. So of course, Blender is my go-to for 3D and in many cases for 2D graphics. I also use it for video compositing and editing. Um, actually lots of different things. It really is like the, the Swiss army knife, you know, it's, it's the multi-tool, uh, so many uses. And there really is a lot you can do. Now I don't do much with actual data visualization myself. I'm mostly into uh, fakery and combining things to get an overall, uh, an overall presentation of some sort. But although over the years I've found some resources for dabbling in data visualization. Uh, so I'll mention those first and then next week I can hit up the non-visualization stuff that might be more practical, but this is really cool, really interesting stuff. So in particular, I've got three different resources for you to check out. And before I mention them, a note, all three of these resources are from a few years ago, meaning they use an earlier version of Blender. That's the pre 2.8 Blender. So if you can't follow along, uh, so I should say you cannot follow along by just copying and pasting the examples, unless you're using one of those earlier versions of Blender. But if you're new to Blender, do realize that before version 2.8, um, you used the right mouse button to select, but you can go into the preferences and change that. So if you do try any of these things using those uh, 2.7 versions of Blender, go into the preferences as soon as you can and change to the left click select for the mouse. Okay. So, um, why am I telling you about these uh, resources that are using out-of-date Blender? Because the resources themselves still have tremendous value in seeing how it was done. 
uh, how they uh, were able to take data in different formats and bring it into Blender and do things with it. It, it, it still has tremendous value to see how it was done. And in the spirit of open source, if you adapt these methods and such to newer versions of Blender, please do post your findings out there somewhere to help others uh, or perhaps uh, present at a planetarium conference or an online planetarium uh, professional development gathering. So, okay, here we go. First, first is AstroBlend. AstroBlend was an interesting project using Blender to visualize astronomy data. I don't know that I've ever met the creator, Dr. Jill Naiman, but uh, she developed AstroBlend and several years ago I had followed the project and for some reason only now am I finding out that she's been across town at the University of Illinois, or at least was as of last year. Who knows how things are these days, but wow, I mean, so close. I had no clue. I don't know what, I, how was I not paying attention to this? I've been living in this community for 21 years and I, I, I got nothing. No excuse here. Uh, anyway, the documentation for AstroBlend is still for the Blender 2.7 era, as I mentioned, so it is out of date in that sense, but it is still very useful. The tutorials demonstrate the hows and whys of using certain data format types. They also show you how to use uh, Python to get Blender working with that data. It also uses another piece of open source software, a tool called YT, which is even more important um, for uh, to know for visualization it's 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 very popular out there and it's definitely one that i need to spend more time with now including a lot of links to astroblend resources in the show notes and if you do want to try it again you can download one of the older versions of blender or you can try to adapt it to modern blender now it does look like some of the stuff might be getting updated as it migrates to GitHub, but I'm not sure about that. I, I really hope so. But even if it doesn't, it's still of incredible value. Also posting the um, 2015 Blender conference uh, talk that she gave. So how did I miss? I, I, I just watched it again. I watched it back in the day and I'm just, I'm not seeing where it says, you know, University of Illinois, you know, in, in Champaign-Urbana, uh, you know, I'm not seeing that anywhere. So I'm still kicking myself for not knowing that, uh, that she's local. Um, but, but please do check it out and at least bookmark it for a deeper dive later if that's a direction that you'd like to pursue. Second up is, um, well, it was actually a book that I, that I picked up, uh, 3D Scientific Visualization with Blender, a very thin book. Uh, it's from Dr. Brian Kent of the National Radio Astronomy Observatory. I'll post links to his website and YouTube channel. I, I did purchase that book and I really enjoyed it. Now, I know that a lot of the materials are available in pieces online, but um, I, I do really like having um, a book to learn from, even if the, the material is available on the screen. It's There's just something wired in me to learn from having the material in the book and having there on the screen. Uh, it's the the way I work, I, I, I got no reason, rhyme or reason for it, uh, but it, it works for me. But I, I do understand if uh, it's not something that you're into. So on the on his website, some of those uh, tutorials from the book are downloadable as PDFs along with files and sample data sets to work with. I most enjoyed the tutorial on reading basic ASCII files with a Stellar catalog. 
Now, I went through this about the same time that I got into uh, Mark Sabrow's um, workshops from IPS on data to dome. And so I was able to put the two together. I was able to take the stuff from Mark's workshop using Python to uh, to, to get and format data from the different uh, resources. And then I was able to use Dr. Kent's tutorial to bring the, the points into Blender to be able to render them. Oh yeah, now this was over the holidays a few years back and I swear the computer room was kept very warm and toasty by all of the rendering that I was uh, attempting and I did crash my computer many, many, many times over break that year. Um, again, do remember that uh, these were for earlier versions of Blender, might have been even before I switched to Python 3 for everything too. I, I, don't, I don't recall that, so that's another thing to possibly watch out for. So you can still use the techniques, but copying and pasting the code won't work. The last resource I want to mention real quick is a four-part series of YouTube videos on Blender and astronomy using voxel data for 3D visualization. Now in the series, um, Matthias Garate, oh, I hope I didn't screw that name up. Oh my gosh. He's an astrophysicist who may have been a grad student at the time that he made these videos because it, it, it was, again, a few years ago for earlier version of Blender. He takes us through the scripting used to visualize the data in Blender. I mean, this is a guided tour of the scripting. And uh, again, yes, earlier version of Blender, but he shows the thinking of it. I mean, he takes you right through step by step on it. So I, I also recommend that as um, a resource for learning to use Python and Blender together. Okay, so a closing thought on the topic. Well, mm, maybe two, three, maybe two closing thoughts. Okay, I'll, I'll try to limit it to two. So. One, if you get the chance, check out the Coursera class, 3D Data Visualization for Science Communication. Uh, they mention Blender as one of the tools that we can use, but the emphasis is on the processes, the processes involved. I don't know why I go back and forth between processes and processes. I just, I don't know. Maybe I need more coffee. So, uh, so this course, right? Yes, the instructors are local to me and I have met them on several occasions. Yes, they are awesome. No, I had absolutely nothing to do with the course other than following along most of it when it came out. So the second closing thought, um, it's, and this is another one that you'll probably hear me express a lot about Blender. Blender is a fast moving project. So new features and improvements appear regularly. Now this is great and it keeps Blender growing faster than many of the other open source products that I use. But it can also be intimidating to try and keep up with. In fact, I often don't keep up with the changes. If I'm working on a project, I might try out new versions of Blender if a feature I've been waiting for has been introduced. Um, for instance, this happened, what, 10 years ago when Cycles Renderer came out because uh, it permitted direct fisheye rendering. I didn't have to use uh, cube maps and stitching. I didn't have to use uh, um, trying to capture the image off of a virtual uh, spherical mirror inside of Blender. Could just do it directly. So that was an example of where I, I did switch versions. Um, but more often, I stick to the version that I've been using with my project until the project is complete. 
And honestly, there are some new features I simply don't have time to, to delve into until I have a good, strong use for them. Blender has a lot going on. It's okay not to learn it all at once, all the time. Just what you need for the project at hand. Okay, so that does it for this week's show. It's been fun. We should do it again next week. And in fact, I'm planning on it. Um, be sure to check out the show notes on my blog, fosdome.com. Till next time, be well, be creative, and be free. Be FOSS. <laughs>